House of Mystery presents Inside Writing, the radio show where authors discuss their writing process in all genres. Welcome back into the House of Mystery. I'm Al Warren. Mr. Michael Hawley is in the room. How you doing, Al? Well, I'm always doing good. How are you? Oh, I'm making it uh, working hard in Buffalo, New York. Now, today we've got a couple of great people. Uh, we've had Chris McCauley on before, so we'll welcome him. And also, Claudia Christian is joining him to talk about their new uh, project, Dark Legacy. So thank you for being here, both of you. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks, man. Nice speaking with you. Chris, maybe explain what, what is Dark Legacy. So for listeners, people right now listening, uh, what can you tell them that the Dark Legacies is? It's a new exciting sci-fi franchise that Claudia and I came up with as a form of antidote to the quite dystopian side of the genre because we've all been inundated with that sort of dark, 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 dark stuff. Now, that's not to say that I mean, it's called Dark Legacies, um, but it's it's all about hope and uh, looking into a better future from from quite a grisly and grim past. And I think that's what people need to hear now, especially with everything that's going on in the world. There is, there is hope. So that's primarily what the, the franchise is about. Um, throughout the, the stories, uh, we encounter um, the character that Claudia plays, Major Jessica Stain, and she has uh, quite a dark past, but is reconciling herself to that and using that sort of the, the issues that she's had to make sure that humanity doesn't go back into that sort of dystopian government that it came, that it's come out of. Well, and Claudia Christian, now she's a, a Babylon 5 legend is what we've got written here. So Absolutely. Claudia, Claudia, how did, how did you get mixed up with this Chris fella? Oh, gosh, I, I think he paid me nothing to do it. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> no, he reached out to me, and uh, we, we started chatting about what we would like to see in the science fiction genre, in the, in, in the science fiction world, really. Um, tossed around the ideas of using really beloved actors that uh, that are easy to work with and professional and giving people, you know, a modicum of creativity, a little bit of input, a little bit of fun, so it's not just, um, you know, it's just not one, one-sided. And we, and of course, I, I really dug the theme of hope and reconciliation because, uh, uh, like Chris said, the whole genre has gone incredibly dark, and I, I don't know about you, but I just have a really hard time. I can watch conflict when it's in something like The Last Kingdom, but when there's conflict constantly in futurism, it, it really um, it, it gets to me, because I, I look at this sort of as, is this what we're heading toward? Isn't there any hope? Isn't there any, any light at the end of the tunnel? So I was very happy to see that we had a similar take on that. Um, and any time I'm able to play a kick-ass character, and when I say play, I mean I mean model model myself after, or have this character modeled after me, or be involved with something that shows a woman as being strong, intelligent, fallible, vulnerable, um, all of the complexities that make up the human experience. So it's not just one-sided. If a, you know, it, it, pretty much anybody can play a hero, but it's it's difficult 
really to touch upon the, the tenderness of, of, of fallibility and what we learn from that. So every character has to have a, a learning experience, a learning arc. And Chris, in all of his work, really grasps that. That's why his work is interesting as a writer, because you care about the characters. If you don't care about the characters, what's the point in either reading a comic book or watching a TV series? There's no point. Yeah, oh, for sure, because something happens to them, you don't care, mm -hmm. right? It's, it's like, yeah, it's, I think characters are the key to it all. Huh? So you're really a science fiction uh, sort of buff? You're really into that? You don't just play one on TV? Yeah, you know, I'm not really. I mean, I'm educating myself now. Chris knows this, and I, I never, I've never lied about this. I'm a historian. I, I, I live in the past. I, you know, up until recently, I was using Venetian crystal pens and homemade ink. I mean, I, you know, <laughs> I am, I am not of this century at all. Um, I, I still listen to CDs. I, you know. Um, you have running water. <laughs> I do have running water. Okay. Uh, yes. I do insist upon some modern, uh, wonderful things that, that the modern world has done, and I have good hygiene, so that's 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 good to know. But um, but but as far as science fiction, I mean, I obviously dipped my toe starting in 1992 when I did an episode of Space Rangers, and then I got Babylon Five in '94, and um, I was inundated uh, suddenly with the science fiction. Fans, and that just made my heart sore because they are so loyal, so generous, so kind, and so interesting. It's just a bunch of interesting people. I would meet writers and and producers and actors and um, anime characters and voiceover artists like me. You know, um, so it, it it's really uh, it's it's a it's a great group of people. Now, do I know every single Neil Gaiman book? Um, I've read a bunch of them, but not all of it. Do I know every single episode of Star Trek? No, I, I think I watched one of the original episodes. But that said, <laughs> that said, I you know I'm I'm up truly up for learning about the comic book world because it it interests me in the sense that you can tell a story with such an interesting medium so quickly, and it really has to be fine fine honed down which is really the element of good writing is you cut away cut away cut away cut away until you are at the bare bones and in comics that's what you have to do babylon 5 1994 wow was it almost 30 years ago you must have only been five or six <laughs> well we mind you we we wrapped it i i wrapped in 99 um and then we did a couple of movies of the week and so probably went almost into 99-2000, maybe, I can't really recall. But um, I started it when I was in my 20s, and I think I ended it when I was in my early 30s. I was born in 65, so wow. do the math. I see, yeah. I would have thought for sure you're only 30 or something. <laughs> well, you know, I have a cryogenic freezer, I keep telling Chris. I just use it, if I use that in the Dorian Gray painting in my attic, by the time we get this sold as a live-action series... I can play Jessica Steele because I'll look. <laughs> well, there you go. Well, and and Chris, so what? what how can it, explain Dark Legacy Universe and and how do you come up with something like that? That is, uh, that's always the the toughest. I would think the toughest part and the, probably the most comprehensive part of creating something like this is creating the world. I kind of got asked that last night when I was out for, for dinner. Where did you get your ideas? And, um, you know, I quite flippantly said it was, you know, a mail order service in Albuquerque. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, it's, um, 
I came off the Stokerverse stuff, so I'm still doing Stokerverse, but I, I, I had been doing the, the Dracula uh, and the sort of classic horror. And I had known Claudia's work uh, for a while. And Claudia has an instinct for storytelling. So it doesn't matter whether it's through acting or through her uh, books, because she's, she's a writer. Um, she's got an instinct for storytelling, so I couldn't have thought of a better partner in science fiction in Claudia and we started talking about it and it was it was from that new place of we were we were sort of in the coronavirus at the time the height of the coronavirus and it was trying to bring hope to people and I thought about the various political situations that were going on around the world and the very real possibility and you know the rise of corporate culture and the very real possibility that we are heading into a terrifying dystopia where humanity's creative endeavours will be sidelined, basically sidelined for the almighty dollar uh, and for various other ignoble causes. And it was from that, you know, what would happen? How would we emerge from that dystopian government? So it was a universal dystopian government that ruled the earth for uh, about 200, uh, 270 years and they mismanaged earth, Earth's resources. Uh, there were colony worlds in Mars, and um, unlike Earth, those colony world, worlds sort of fought back against human presence and brought like genetic mutations. And those people who had suffered genetic mutations, you know, were treated as second-class citizens. And I mean, that that's a euphemism for for so so many issues that are going on today as well. It was really from that, and then look, and then getting to know Claudia as a person, I wanted to create this this character which kind of embodied Claudia, and I hope you don't mind me saying that, Claudia, but the the, the, the strength and the Claudia is very articulate. And you know, so this this character is very different from, from anything that, that maybe she's portrayed before. Because there's a vulnerability of the character because of the past, because of the dark legacies of her past, and you were examining the dark legacies of humanity's past. But also in each of the characters there's a dark legacy in there. So it, it, you know, it's just this fascinating tapestry that started coming out, coming out, and then whenever uh, Bruce Boxleitner got involved, um, I had to cast him in a, in a Western role. Really, I, I mean, Big Bruce is a, uh, you know, he's been in Westerns, he's a fan of Westerns. So I looked at the Martian frontier and thought it would be quite similar to what the American frontier tier would have been like. Uh, obviously, with some technological differences. So we have him as a, and I have to uh, get this right, a Martian marshal. And, um, yeah, he's a great character. His, his backstory gets explored a lot in issue two. Chris, you approached Claudia uh, for a, a hope-based uh, future, is that? Essentially, yeah, that was how it started. We, we were looking at, uh, I think it's been termed as hope punk now. There's a wave of this coming, and it's really a looking at humanity's future in hope. How many of us can you switch on the television or listen to the radio and we feel down or or we feel despair of what's going on around us and we don't feel any hope for the future. But if you look at like classic science fiction, um, the stuff that we keep going back to, it's hope-based. Uh, you know, Star Trek is, is hope-based. Um, the show that, that Claudia started, The Babylon 5, is actually very spiritual and hope-based. And I think that's the hallmark of really good science fiction. I do think we have to explore our fears through that medium, but I always think it should be the through the lens of hope. I think it's really important. 
Well, knowing just Claudia just a little bit, I don't see any fear in her. So how <laughs> how was that going to happen? Because Claudia, you're very uh, you're very confident. You can tell. I'm sure that really helps you out uh, as a historian, actress, uh, everything. But uh, does that like fit well with uh, the character then? I always say this that. You have to be smart to play dumb. You have to be incredibly strong to play vulnerable. And, and otherwise, you don't care. If somebody walks around like a piece of milk toast and they're crying all the time and everything affects them and they're super sensitive, you're not going to care when it happens again. But when you see Clint Eastwood cry, holy moly, you're affected. You know? So it's... it's it, it's just you have to have that. When I, with Bruce Willis, any of these guys who have heart, strength, intelligence, quickness of mind, and, and then you see them break down a little bit, it's far more affecting than it is for somebody who plays that note all the time. So I think that when you see somebody, when, for instance, Savonova, or I mean, when she fell apart or showed even the slightest crack, in her discipline and her perfection and her, her work ethic, you really cared because, because she didn't walk around with her heart on, this, on her sleeve. And for me, it's ironic because I am li literally the most sensitive person I ever I've known. I mean, it, it's, I, I mean I, people who really know me know that I'm unbelievably sensitive. This is just a... A, a, a suit of armor that I've had to create over the years so that I don't break down every time I see a homeless person because I, I, I'm like an empath. I walk around and I see something and I just burst into tears and it's because I feel the pain. I feel that and and so for me, I couldn't get anything done if I had <laughs> if I that to happen all day so I've, I've manifested this, this uh, exterior of somebody who's who's really strong, and, and I am strong, but on the other hand, I'm, I'm unbelievably um, compassionate and, 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 and vulnerable, and that's, that's a... And that's likely what attracted you to Chris's project. Absolutely. He has heart and soul, and he's, we both share a, a spiritual life and, and practice, and, and we both have, we just have a lot in common, and in, insofar as what we care about, when it comes to good writing, good characters, well-formed things, and also just to, to move people, to make people think and also care. And I, I love the idea of escapism, especially in this world right now, and I love the idea of something tangible that you hold in your hand, like a comic book, as opposed to another bloody app. I mean, I'm all for, you know, games for, for video games. I do a lot of them, I'm, you know, within reason, for people to use them, but sometimes to read something, to have that hand-to-eye connection is really important. And I know the attention span has gotten incredibly small, um, especially for the younger generation. So, you know, comics are important, and they should be around, and they should have, they should have compassionate, fallible characters in them and not just perfection. Well, Chris, now, so you're inspired. You're sort of inspired by Claudia, in a sense, to create the character. But um, tell us, what's it really like working with Claudia? <laughs> <laughs> I actually do love working with Claudia uh, because we talk every day. You know, it's the same as working with Decker. You know, 
we kind of talk every day. We've got different. You know, it's not that we always we always agree on the creative vision, but we have enough um, respect for each other that we can. You know, we work around it. And we we end up uh, crafting together something that is, I think, fairly unique out there. But I have been inspired by I didn't know Claudia was from Babylon 5, actually, when we first met. I was inspired by Claudia because of the amount that she gives gives back to um, society through the C3 Foundation. Um, and then I started to find out a little bit more. I mean, actually, first thing I found out was she was in the 18. And uh, <laughs> I know I'm not supposed to mention that again, but yeah, that's fascinating. <laughs> fascinating that. Um, but that 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 was where it all started, yeah. And then I did watch. I started watching Babylon Five, uh, and I do have, I have vague memories of it as a kid. It was on at an odd time when I was a kid um, on Channel Four in the UK. So I only caught maybe about five or six things, six episodes. But then I did sit and watch it back. And what really fascinates me about Babylon Five is that it's how much that the actors have really created the the story, how much they embody the story. And that taught me a lesson about, you know, whenever I, when we're working with Claudia and Bruce and, and Peter Jersick and and, uh, uh, and Pat Talman and, and others, about listening to the actor, listening to the beats in the story, because an actor can tell you that. And I think that's important to me as a writer, that I listen to that. And I craft the characters with with those people who are, who are going to visually portray the character. Or, I mean, Claudia's Claudia is actually, if you go to our Kickstarter uh, page, Claudia has portrayed Jessica Steele in live action, which is really cool. It's incredible. And and it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. And I, I think it's up there. You know, I, I, try, I don't want to offend anybody, but I think it's up there with the with Ivanova. In fact, you know, it's the... You do portray it incredibly well. And I, when I write things, because I, I write audio dramas and actually... Dark Legacies coming out as an audio drama. Hopefully, I think it's next week, the first one. And when I say to anybody who's kind of working on my stuff, um, and I've worked in Doctor Who and, and things like that, I say to folks, look, you guys, you're the actors. You know the beats. I've written this as a writer. It's This is how it sounds in my head as a writer. But I completely trust an actor to ad-lib or to change things. When Claudia portrayed Jessica... It brought a new dimension to it, and I think that's that's really important to to, to highlight. It's so twenty five years older, and you know, and it's and it's really nice to bring certain maturity to a role, a certain sense of which which going back to what you asked about fallibility and and, and empathy and compassion and all that. If you see somebody who's older and wiser and has all this life experience. If you see them get hurt or break down, it's even more, you know, effect. So, you know, because you think, well, this person really looks like they have their act together and, and, and they're older and more experienced. And so, so yeah, I think when, when and, and I have to give a, 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 a big thank you to Chris. I mean, the fact that he reached out to me because of my advocacy for alcohol use disorder is quite, just shows what kind of person he is. You know, he... He's a he's a deep, thoughtful person who cares about the planet and his fellow men. So it's it, that was important to me, and and um, that that gave us sort of a nice jumping off spot to form our friendship. But in the in the Kickstarter, people can get a little taste of Jessica Steele, which was fun to sort of play it. You know, it it, it was fun to bring her to life for a moment. So Chris, 
then Jessica, now do you have Claudia in mind when you're writing for Jessica? Always have them. This is this is a strange thing about my writing. When I write Dracula, I hear Dracula. I, I'm currently writing uh, for Doctor Who, uh, Davros, and I'm working with the actor who play, he's played Davros now for about 30 or 40 years, and I hear him very clearly when I write it. Uh, my editors have, have noted that, that it's, it, it's the tone of Davros. And it's the same with, with Jessica. I can hear Claudia. I don't hear Ivanova. I don't hear the myriad of, of roles that, that Claudia's played uh, throughout the years. I hear Claudia. And as a writer, it's this sort of weird. Well, they don't let you drive when you hear these voices. <laughs> no, no, we don't. Thank God. Thank God. But it is, it's hard to describe it. It's, it's, you're writing in that tone and in that, um, with that depth of, of that person almost sitting beside you or, or whatever. And there's sometimes I do sort of mentally think, you know, what would, what would Jessica do? What would, uh, Jack Reeves, Bruce's character do? Because I think that's really important to whenever you're, if you're writing anything, um, but writing the second issue because it's an ensemble cast now. It's hearing those voices of the characters, but also how those actors would portray them. It's kind of like Anthony Hopkins with uh, that character. Uh, once Anthony Hopkins, the actor, got involved, it changed to him. So I can see that happening. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's very it's yeah. I find it I find it very easy to to hear um, hear it, and then sometimes I'll read it out. But I won't read it out in the Claudia's voice or anything weird. You don't dress up. Like <laughs> no, I don't do that. No. Okay. Uh, um, but um, I read it out to see if it would, if it makes sense, if the dialogue makes sense. Uh, so um, yeah, that, that's kind of that's part of the process. And Jessica wouldn't be Jessica stay Jessica stay without Claudia. I, yeah, that's. I, we talked to Anne Cleves just last week, and she said the same thing about some of her characters that have gone on to series and stuff and how the actor sort of takes it somewhere different and how she loves it. So I, I, I'm wondering now, Claudia, if, what would you or how would you describe the lead character, Jessica Steele? Well, I mean, she's she's got an incredibly analytical mind. She speaks multiple languages. She's great at cryptography. Uh, she's she's a, a very um, a strong I think sort of matter-of-fact person when she comes into a situation, and I think that, that the reason why people like her as, as special ops commander is because she gets the job done without a lot, not a lot of um, drama, or, or, you know, she just dives in. I see her as somebody who is extremely competent, but is, is kind of, when she gets home, is a completely different person. I, I see her as holding it together for work, and that work holds her together and that she is so determined that humanity won't step backwards into that, that regime and that despair, again, that she is fully focused on what she's doing and dedicated her life to this. But, obviously, the secrets from her past and the trauma from her past are way too big to have overcome it, even by this age. And I had... I, even though she, she's in therapy and she alludes to having a therapist, I don't think that she's fully recovered in any way, shape, or form. And I think that that, that anger um, drives a lot of her, her intent as well. And I think that 
This is somebody you definitely don't want to mess with, but she also has a, a massive heart which has been broken in pieces by her past, her childhood. So I think that that's a really nice mixture of things. She's not your atypical, you know, one-sided hero. Um, she's she's wounded and and tortured and and yet on the outside just seems like okay i'm going to get this done what do you need i will analyze this i will go through the records i yes i will i will figure out what what you know, symbols mean and and i will kick your ass because i know krav maga but other than that you know um but then when i get home i might have um a good cry over something or beat up the wall or you know uh kick in something so I, I think that it's that kind of person that she's she's just not recovered. But she can handle she can handle a big gun. You see that in issue one, she can handle a big gun. Yeah. Well, that's I think it's more difficult for heroines and heroes because of that duality that they have to deal with really tough but sensitive. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean that's the thing is you have to have all those colors otherwise it's boring and and nobody will care. Although I love Clint Eastwood when he kicks butt. I'm just saying. <laughs> oh yeah, but, but also, but you know, but when he sheds a little tear, it is heartbreaking. Yes, it's heartbreaking, and you really care because it's so rare. I do, I do have a reputation for writing very violent action-packed scenes. Oh, yeah, and how <laughs> that's 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 come about. But how how I look at it is that violence is a transformative uh, action. Okay, and. It transforms the person who's perpetrating it, and it transforms the person who it's been perpetrated to. And I think that's a very important thing in, in, in storytelling. You know, I write characters who have scarred souls. You know, that, that to me, that's kind of the... All, all the characters I write seem to have these, these sort of scarred souls, these uh, deep wounds. But the lovely thing about... Uh, being a writer is that we can reconcile that. I have to say the amount of violence shocked me, Chris. So <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was, like if you're a sci-fi fan and you're you're listening to us and thinking, you know, is this going to be one of these very emotive uh, comic books? Well, it is, but it's also packed with a lot of violence. It's packed with a lot of action because, yeah, I I like action-packed scripts. I write action-packed scripts. But, you know, it's not just, like, a character who's grabbing a gun and running around and shooting things. Um, if you look at James Cameron's Aliens, Ripley was in therapy at the start of that. Ripley was very vulnerable. Ripley was, and it brought forward a really a beautiful flavour of, of an action heroine who, um, who had a scarred soul. It made it intimate. Uh, you know, you felt an intimate connection when you watched the film. And that's what I hope when people read the comic books and, and listen to the audios and play the games... There's an intimate connection to the characters, along with the reconciliation. Yeah, I think I think it's a reconciliation of 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 your personal past is a very noble thing. There's forgiveness and reconciliation are two most noble and heroic things you can do as a human being. They are, it's the ultimate. Um, it might not sound too sexy, but it's I think it's the truth of I think it's the truth of our humanity. I think that's, uh, I mean, Jesus, I'm getting really good. <laughs> but that, that's, that's how I approach the characters, you know? <laughs> no, 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 no. Have, have you changed the way you've written violence on the page over the years? My first mentor was uh, Pat Mills. He created Judge Dredd. 
And Pat never used the word violence, he used the word action. So that's how I look at it. But growing up in Northern Ireland, where violence was just part of life. I mean, I remember as a kid, I used to crawl out of, you know, bomb craters. Um, you know, various terrorist groups blew up the doctor's surgery next door to me. You know, I grew up in this kind of, a little bit like Garth Ennis. Uh, I grew up in that environment of extreme violence. I thought it was normal as a kid. And then you grow up and you get older and wiser and realise that it isn't. Do I write it differently? Possibly. When I wrote Judge Dredd, it was, the, the, the violence was maybe a little bit more tongue-in-cheek. Uh, this, there's consequences to, to, uh, to the choices that the characters make. Um, so I think that's maybe, I, I mean, I'm 41 this year. So I've got a little older and wiser from, from the days when I was writing Judge Dredd. So yeah, possibly. Wow, you're getting old. <laughs> so what would you like to see happen with this franchise and what's, what's, what, what kind of is, uh, your hopes for it? And I guess we can start with Claudia on that one. Well, I mean, I, I, I have the, the ultimate hope. I would love to see this become a live action series. Um, I'm, and everything else, games, uh, audio, audio stories, um, everything. I, I think that it's a story that can take all sorts of, um, ways of telling it. But my ultimate goal would be a live action series, whether that was animated or, or with, you know, uh, live action or animation, but definitely a series or a film would be wonderful to bring this universe to life. Okay. And Chris, what, do you, what, what can you say about it? Well, all of that, and I'm actually quite thankful that that stuff has actually happened or in the process of it. But my hope is that we, we've entered into this, this terrible era where I think the term's ageism. And I can't write characters that are 16 years of age and are supposed to have you know, the ability to do all these kind of different things. I want to see through this, uh, and obviously through other media, that we look at um, actors and characters through the lens of experience. And I'll give you another example. I write a character, Mina Harker, a cult investigator, and I wrote that for a feminist anthology. Mina Harker in this one is 50 years of age. She doesn't have to wear leather to be an action hero. Um, and, you know, she's got a lot of weight and gravitas. That resonated with a lot, with, with, a, with a big audience. And that's what I'm kind of hoping for with this. When I write uh, Claudia's character, I'm not writing somebody who's, uh, you know, 20-odd years of age. When I write Bruce's character, it's not somebody who's, who's in their 30s or 40s. It's the weight, it's the gravitas of living a life. And I would love to see that being brought back into the entertainment industry. You mentioned Anthony Hopkins. Well, that's what he brings. He brings all this, these years of experience with him. So I'm trying to, I'm hoping to kickstart, you know, a renaissance where we look at, um, you know, we stop looking at, you know, the very young as maybe, you know, as the only characters we can portray, but people who are representative of, of our entire society. I hope that answer makes sense. I'm not sure if it does, but. Yeah, makes sense no. To me. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You're yeah. speaking to a couple of old guys, so it makes yeah, a lot of sense. Wisdom and experience and, and the way that people are living now into their 90s and the 100s, you know, I still consider myself middle-aged. So I, I figure the more wisdom, the more experience, the more gravitas one brings to a character, the better. And Chris sees that and and has a a, a, a very healthy respect for that. And I, that's another reason why I, I adore him. 
So now, now here we go. Um, so let's talk about your Kickstarter and where people can find you, website, location. Uh, let's give us all that. Well, when it comes to Kickstarter, you can go to kickstarter.com and search for uh, Claudia Christian's Dark Legacies Chapter 2, and I will give you a link, uh, Alan, if you, you can stick it under there. Um, we've also got our Dark Legacies Facebook group, and I will send you a link for that. But obviously, if you're on Facebook, you can just Google uh, Claudia Christian's Dark Legacies, and we're, we're there. Um, we have a website, www.dark-universes.com, because Claudia and I also do fantasy and all sorts of different things together, not just Dark uh, Legacies. But you will find all our Dark Legacies information there as well. Fantastic. And Claudia, do you have a website as well and and place where people can find you uh, separate or? Yeah, for my um, for my advocacy for alcohol use disorder and the Sinclair method, they can visit c3foundation.org. For my updates on appearances and things, they can visit claudiachristian.net. And um, yeah, I think that's about it. Because Chris mentioned the Dark Legacies site, and yeah. Well, perfect. So what do you guys got planned? Any other projects coming up in the future for the two of you? Well, we're busy working on these. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm flying to London to – I'm promoting the comic book in, in Phoenix, Arizona um, this coming weekend at the Fan Fusion Convention. So I will have the barcode for everyone to pre-order and order and uh, a couple of real samples they can look at. And then I'm flying to London to do a signing at Forbidden Planet also for Dark Legacies, Issue 1 and 2, and um, I will be signing Issue 1. And then I'm also going to the big London Comic-Con um, in July. So that's that's enough for now. <laughs> <laughs> Is that all, ladies? Yes. Yeah. That's all. Claudia and I also have created this, this franchise, uh, Three Musketeers vs. Cthulhu, um, which became a smash hit from a short story. We've got a comic book of that coming out as well, uh, and an RPG coming out uh, from Nightfall Games next month. So keep your eyes peeled for that. What's it like now, now Chris? Like, if I could ask you, what um, what is the comic book world like nowadays, um, as compared to what it used to be? Is it, it has it changed? Has it got less than? It, it seemed to me when I was younger, we had comic book shops all over the place, and now. We, I don't see them too often. So, how's that world changed? The problem with comic books, uh, comic book culture, is that it's become linked to the films. So you have your Marvel, DC films, TV franchises, and that's where people are getting their comic book fix from while they're in the printed media. Um, comic book future is probably going to be in the indie uh, sector. I believe anyway, it's going to be in the indie sector, and that's where you're going to get all the creativity. Um, and I think, you know, comic books is literature, it's going to come through the indie sector. That's the big change. A lot of comic book stores now have become game stores as well, not just, just comic book stores, but I think that's been the big change, that's mostly now films and, and TV shows, and uh, it's all very samey to me, um, whereas if you go to the indie market, you get so much creativity, and some incredibly good writing there. 
you know, we don't have to be, you know, we don't have to read Spider-Man or Batman or Superman now for for some of the incredible uh, creators uh, with regards to art and, and uh, uh, words. You know, it's the indie market that kind of, um, that I look to for, for inspiration. And I can see a lot of very talented people there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Something, uh, and it's just, it's fresher too, I don't, you know, the... Yeah, it's, um, I think there's a lot of power in what's going on in the indie market and speaks to a lot of people. Um, it's not that I don't, I dislike, I mean, I still buy Batman comics and Superman comics and stuff because I'm a complete and utter geek um, and nerd. But I just love the fact that now we've, we've entered into an era of Kickstarter. Uh, that's ethic. It's very ethical. Kickstarter is very ethical because because the artists get paid, um, you know, letters get paid, and the products that are coming out are are fresh because of that because of crowdfunding, and that's what's really helped. Uh, I think comic book culture as a whole. Yeah, I, they, that's great. That's really good. Well, so are you still watching uh, Gunsmoke? <laughs> yes, I have. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's actually Bruce's fault. Yeah, I've started going into westerns and writing westerns, and I won an award for writing western, and I'm writing a western video game at the minute. Um, so yeah, Bruce started the the whole western tip for me. Uh, I'm very grateful. He's he's a lovely man, and uh, he told me just to give it a go, and I did. And uh, yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun. I have a, like Claudia, I love historical fiction. And Claudia and I actually wrote a piece of historical fiction last year that became a bestseller. Nice. Uh, in an anthology, uh, Data Over Doggerland. So, uh, yeah, we have that as well. We've got the, we've got, we were number one for two weeks, I think, in that anthology. So there you go. Well, there you go. Yeah. Well, anyway. Well, we appreciate you coming on the show. We, uh, talking about the, uh, the new Dark Legacy series, and uh, what can I say? So thank you very much, uh, Claudia and Chris. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much. Nice being with you. Thanks, guys. Thanks once again. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Yeah. Good night. This is Peter Production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.